Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. I went down there and, you know, checked my cameras first thing and saw that picture. And like, as soon as I saw that picture, I was calling Nick and I was telling him about it and I was all sending it to him. I was all excited and everything. And then I probably spent about an hour, hour and a half, two hours in that area just trying to figure out how I wanted to hunt it. Oh, you got her, dude. She's down. Let's go. Dude, I just shot a deer of a lifetime. Freaking smoked him. One with nature, and if you're a believer, one with God. Definitely gets your heart pumping. Boy, you are in trouble. All right, welcome back, guys, to another Fall Obsession podcast episode. I am Sam with Fall Obsession, your Fall Obsession podcast host, driven by Elite Archery. We thank you guys for tuning in to this week's podcast episode. I am on the line for this week with number one, our media production manager, Nick Powell. Welcome back, buddy. Thanks. It's been a while. Glad to be back. Yeah, glad to have you back on here. And we also got uh, Drew back on here again. What's happening, man? Hey, how's it going today, Sam? Oh, we're doing good, man. Happy to have you back on here. Got the kind of got the gang back together a little bit here. Uh, here for once, it seemed like it's been a while since Nick was on here, and uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to kind of a you know one of our more laid back, casual, in house conversations. It's gonna be fun. So, but to kind of kick things off, so we. Uh, I know we recorded a podcast a while back, Nick, you and I, I think it was actually probably the last time you were on the podcast. Um, we talked about uh, the lease that we have down here in the North Texas area and, you know, just some of the stuff that excited us about that, the unique opportunity that it was and some of the stuff we were hoping to do out there. We're obviously on right at the nose of deer season right now and things are about to get up and going and uh we're about to be in the woods so i figure that we jump on here and talk about 
what all we got going on down down here and what all's going on on that property i know you got another property that that you would probably want to share a little bit about too or at least you know kind of some of the stuff that you might be doing out there and then drew you, you know you're you got your own place up in minnesota too that, that we can talk about so we'll uh we'll stay close to all that but um the first things first i think we kind of drew everybody's attention a couple weeks ago when we posted the first trail cam photo we got of a shooter buck out there on our new north texas property and he is a dandy yeah absolutely and that's one thing that we were kind of hoping to to see because this this property has never been hunted it's uh it's it's just kind of been a, a family land that they run cattle on and so we weren't really sure what to expect because they the the family that owns it has never hunted it either and so not knowing what to expect that was a uh, delight to say the least to see uh, to see a picture like that come across your your cell your camera. Yeah, absolutely, and and it's really we've had a lot of people on the podcast in in recent weeks for for several weeks now talking about their own their own whitetail management tactics and and their own efforts and everything that they do on their place. And side note, if you guys haven't listened to any of those, please go back. They're pretty consistent for the last several weeks. We've had a lot of content like that on our podcast, so go go give those a listen from all over the country. But most recently we had um, one of our own field staffers Tyler Wolf on and he has a property in Kansas and he talked about um, just the first couple years of being on a new property um, you know the recon work the the trail cam work moving cameras around and 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 seeing what the deer are doing seeing where stuff is and and it's it's really hitting home with me at, at this at this stage that we're in right now as far as we finally got cameras out there and everything and you know i have we have cameras on on these sweet spots like where this big buck is or you know where our you know our bow stand setups are and stuff like that but we are also like i set a camera up on a trail for example or a power line or whatever and i start seeing deer you know on the camera and everything well now i want to move the camera you know i know the deer are there at this point but now i want to move the camera to somewhere else and and you know see what else is going on elsewhere on the property and for those who may have missed the last episode or, or anything like that we the property's 800 acres roughly and so it's a huge piece that we have to cover um, so it's going to take a lot of recon work and a lot of figuring out to figure out what we want to do but going back to the buck this deer is in an area of the property that really since we first laid eyes on it nick we were um, excited about from the bow hunting standpoint you know it just it has that bow hunting feel that bow hunting layout to it you know it's not it's not super tight hardwoods but it's you know it's not wide open country either you know a lot of a lot of trails a lot of clearings a lot of a lot of good chances to have those 20 30 yard archery shots and that buck the one of the first three cameras that we just threw on a trail just to see what was uh, what was coming in and first card pull that's what we find so that's pretty awesome yeah and with him still being in velvet i'm excited to see what he looks like when all that's rubbed off because generally uh in texas the deer season doesn't start until all the deer are hard horned and it just happened to be how the state of texas decided to or, you know tpw decided to to set it up um but i'm excited to see if he because he's got a lot of mass he's got a lot of height and so i'm excited to see if he holds that mass being hard horned 
Yeah, I, I think he will to a certain extent. He he's got. I mean, it. You know, you always run that debate. How much are they going to drop? Like you say, when when they lose that velvet. But man, he he's a solid deer. He's a mature deer, and he he's just got a, a lot of length. He's he's probably only 15, 16 inches wide. But he's got a lot of height, and his main beams have a lot of length to him. I I think he'll. I I, I know. I know for me, at least, if, if I was the fortunate hunter to take him, that he would be my biggest deer ever. And I'm pretty sure he'd be in the same ballpark for you, too, if it was you. Yeah, so, for sure. Um, pretty pretty excited about that. Excited about the property in general, too, because we're, we're running a lot of cameras, um, moving a lot of cameras around. I'm going to talk more specifically about our cameras here in a minute, too. But um, every single camera that we've had so far out there at different places we've had pigs we've had plenty of does and we've had bucks this is the oldest buck that we've seen this is the only true buck that we look at and we're like yes this is a shooter deer this is a target buck for any of the four guys on the property this year but every i'm super encouraged just by having bucks on every camera because while we have a lot of two and a half and three and a half year old deer i know we got one eight point that's a three and a half year old that i'm pretty excited about too because in two years that dude's gonna be a stud um but just seeing that there's that many deer not just on the property but that many bucks frequenting the area is is very encouraging to me i i love seeing that yeah i'm definitely looking forward and like like we said this is only our first year out there and so i'm definitely looking forward to seeing what the years to come have to offer because we're kind of getting a little taste of it already yeah and we're seeing our first year season hasn't even started yet so i'm stoked man absolutely man before we before we i want to talk more specifically about um our cameras and and some of the thought process behind that but before i do drew i want to i want to bring you back into this conversation a little bit and and kind of get the update on your farm up there in minnesota and and what things are looking like for you so far yeah uh you know things are improving up here uh you, you know some of my earlier updates i'd mentioned we were really experiencing a drought condition yeah. um food plots weren't taking uh we were just sort of having i don't want to call it issues but the farmers are definitely struggling this year with the egg fields and it's it's a tough time um there's all sorts of different different areas now that we'll be able to hunt this year that we traditionally don't hunt a lot of swamps are dried out uh a lot of you know, ponds are lower and so they got those pond edges that are not only travel corridors but also are growing out and greening out because they're one of the few places with moisture and so kind of these new food sources that aren't traditional areas that are going to hold deer um pretty interested to see what the fall is like uh, lately we've gotten a few good storms and so those food plots are finally growing in which awesome maybe kind of a benefit to us actually uh you know some of those seeds that we put out earlier that didn't germinate yet are going to germinate we're going to have some nice young growth moving into the fall and the early bow season so really looking forward to that um it'll be a good time i actually headed up this weekend to go check everything out so i'll send an update and put that out there we had a big storm go through and tipped over some of the sands that we put up earlier this spring so we got to go put everything back up mm-hmm. that sucks what kind yeah. of uh, food plots are you running out there drew so we got kind of a mix so we're running you know not mixed in the same field intermingled right mix as in 
separate areas of the food plot we're running different things so we got brassicas we got turnips and parsnips and things like that but we also have clover real close to the wood line for that early archery season um, mixed with some alfalfa and then moving into like rye grasses and things like that that'll be ready just a little bit later and you know we then we actually used some corn um hand planted some corn rows just to provide sort of a buffer sort of a visual insulation to make some safe areas separate those food plots away from the visibility of the road and also some of the field areas make them feel mm. a little more safe nice awesome I've really enjoyed talking to other people from different parts of the of the country these past several weeks that, you know, like I mentioned, we've had a lot of guests on and talking about food plots or what guys are doing because, again, we're, we're so new at our property down here that we're in the stage of just trying to, to learn the property, learn the deer, you know, and, and figure it out this first year, even probably a, a big portion of it, even in the second year too. But the you know, food plots and all that kind of stuff is going to come, you know, before we know it, we'll be working on that kind of stuff for, for our season. So it's been really interesting to hear what other people have been doing, what their mindset or tactics have been behind it and everything, um, to try and create those opportunities in the fall. So I've been, I'm excited. Yeah. Uh, you know, the difference between the landscape in Minnesota and down in Texas <laughs> was, man, I felt like I was in a foreign place when I was down there and I off a tree to put a tree stand in and there's nothing but scrub brush around. And, man, so you know. that's, that's a perfect segue into, into talking about kind of the tactics. And, and I know a lot of the conversation is probably going to be revolving today around that target deer, but, um, perfect segue into that because you know you're talking about looking up in the trees trying to find a good spot for a tree stand and i went down there uh, i guess it was last weekend now at the time of recording this at least I, I don't even remember now but um i went down there and you know checked my cameras first thing and saw that picture and like as soon as i saw that picture i was calling nick and i was telling him about it and i was all sending it to him and i was all excited and everything and then I probably spent about an hour, hour and a half, two hours in that area just trying to figure out how I wanted to hunt it, how I wanted to hunt that deer. Because that day, I wanted to have everything in place that day for the, se- <clears throat> for the season because I, didn't want, I don't want to set foot in that area again until it's time to hunt. And, and I'll talk more about that. I'll get into that later. But um, look you know i have a i have a, a tree stand and I, I love hunting from a tree stand that that's my I, i'm just comfortable there i i like being higher up and above everything and i'm looking around the trees like this freaking sucks there there are no options around here and i i, I walked up and down i was looking everywhere and i finally found a tree it was, it's really it's not it's not in the most ideal spot but it is it's within about 25 30 yards of one of the trails that i'm guessing that buck's walking basically that buck's walking a trail and to the east of where my camera is the trail splits into two so i don't know which way on that split he's primarily going if if there is a primary direction i have my tree stand on one side of that split so if he if he walks north off of that split the tree stand for whoever's hunting there is gonna is gonna be an asset um, at that point we're just hunting the trail if not then i guess we'll have to figure that one out but um 
anyway, that was an interesting ordeal trying to trying to figure that out. And I know y'all haven't seen it yet, but there is a video of me putting this tree stand up by myself, and it's rather entertaining. So, <laughs> <laughs> and on the note of the video too. Um, I, I don't know where it's going to fall in relation to when this podcast is being published, but one thing that I'm excited about that we're doing in both Texas and Minnesota is we're documenting this year on video everything that we're doing out at both our property that we're referencing here in Texas and Drew, your property up there in Minnesota. You, you're you producing some video up there for us as well this year. Um, so we're we're sharing that with you guys in a video series format on on our pages and everything um so that you guys can follow us through this journey not just from a podcast standpoint and update here and there but you know actually be able to see what we're doing in our mindset behind and actually see these setups that we're putting in place or like with drew i know drew's done a video on food plots and everything like that so far so that we're really trying to capitalize on on that opportunity and this unique opportunity, especially in Texas, we have to start from square one and to share this project and, and as it goes on with you guys, cause it's not just, it's not just useful information for y'all, but it's also kind of a journal for us in a standpoint too. You know, we, we are able to go back and look at this, you know, even years down the line and be like, this is where we started. This is where it all began. And I'm, I'm super excited to get to that point. I know it's a lot of work ahead of us to, to get there, but, um, just a little side note that I videoed my, horrific tree stand experience because uh because of this series so y'all will at some point it may already be out at this point but y'all as our listeners will get to go to our youtube and watch that so (laughs) see me struggle yeah i mean sam you were talking about starting from square one on your property in texas and it was you know making me think about how we're in a very similar situation uh yeah. the land that me and my uncles and cousins all hunt uh for a long time was agricultural land and every fall by the time we were hunting it was either harvested or plowed and was basically just dirt right and now in the last year we've transition that into crp and have added these food plots and put up these stands and so we're really hunting this property sort of in a new way for the first time this season too and so you know we're in a very similar situation and it's it's going to be a cool learning experience and first year for both of us that's awesome yeah i'm super excited that that in two different places we get to kind of experience that and everything and then obviously like i've already mentioned our our listeners our followers and everybody will get to to follow along and and maybe even pick up some stuff for their own places too i hope they do so so i want to talk to kind of building upon what i've already talked about with especially with this one area of the property again big deer on camera we're excited it's the area that that nick you and i were already hoping to bow hunt and everything so we're, we're both excited to uh, hopefully one of us at least gets a shot at this deer at some point so we i figured out where i wanted to put the ladder stand the only tallest tree on all 800 acres i feel like and from there i went farther west and i found a good little clearing with um where i could set up my ground blind and put a feeder on that For those who may not be familiar with Texas, baiting is legal in Texas, and in Texas it is a majority of the way of how you hunt. It just kind of, it is how it is. I know there's plenty of people out there that I've heard over the years that are opposed to baiting and everything like that. Say what you want, it's what we do down here in Texas. It it just is. Yeah, if there was as much public land in Texas as there was in other states, I would be more than happy 
to go on a backpack hunt <laughs> hike around and do do it like that but you know that's just kind of the cards were dealt here so dude public land in texas is like you know turn a bunch of three-year-olds loose in the zoo or something it's just a bunch of people running around in there with guns and you don't know anybody <laughs> and everybody and their yeah. brother and their dogs out there it's just i don't know texas is a different breed when it comes to public land and it i don't know i i just i've never gotten into it down here at least so so i got i have a question for you guys yeah you know we're not allowed to bait in minnesota and you were talking about setting up a feeder uh, in the clearing, what does that look like? You know, how much corn are you putting out there? When are you feeding? Walk me through that from sort of a beginner standpoint for yeah. somebody who doesn't get involved in that. So I actually, I talked a little bit about this in the video too, as I was setting this thing up as well. So um, the same information's in our video too, but the, when I'm trying to find a spot for what I set up was a, a ground blind and, and a feeder. Um, first I'm looking for, uh, a good a, I, I say it as a good spot for both of them you know you want your blind not to be right out there in the open you want it to be you know somewhere tucked in to where it's you know against some brush or in a little brush patch or something like that you want your your feeder to be within bow range of your blind um i i prefer it to be somewhat close to a little bit of cover so the deer don't feel like they're walking out in the middle of everything to to come to it and that oftentimes works out as you know having a tree or something close to put a trail cam on even if you don't you can put a freaking fence post or something up you know to put a trail cam on that's not the end all be all but other things that i take into account too is access to my blind so that was something i thought long and hard about when i put this stand in there is i wanted to be able to get to the ground blind without having to walk down the main trail that's running through the area or having to walk past the feeder or anything like that i want to be able to come from behind the blind so i found a little clump of brush that is actually off the tree line a little bit farther out in the clearing and there was it, it was like it was meant to be there was a little niche right there that i kind of cleared out a little bit to put the blind in itself and then there was a trail, um, an old cattle trail that I widened a little bit just to make it quieter coming in that goes to an old gas well road on the other side of the tree line um, that I, that was going to be, that's the access point for us at this point coming in and out of that stand. So that was, that was the mindset behind it. The other thing that I thought about too is uh, the direction of orientation. Some stands you're limited on which direction you can face. You know, it has to be this way if you want to hunt this area, but if if you again starting from square one and you can build this how you want it I'm trying as much as I can to put as many stand setups up out there facing either north or south and our reasoning behind that is so that we we aren't having to worry about the sun if you will the sun shining in your face or shining your rifle scope or lighting you up in your blind or your tree stand or stuff like that um, it's to one side or the other of you the deer aren't looking at you being lit up by the sun or you're not trying having to look at the deer you know and trying to read through the sun if you will so north south orientation the the blind is on the northern side of the feeder in this situation um, and i think that what i ended up having was the feeder was set up about i think it's 25 to tw either 25 or 27 yards from the ground blind itself so um Within reasonable bow range, in my in my opinion, some guys like to set those things up, you know, 20 yards. I like to, I'm comfortable with my shot at 30. I like to have them just a little bit farther out there just so that I don't feel like those deer are 
smack dab on top of me. You know, when I'm in that blind, I might have a little more room to, to wiggle around. So um, you asked about corn too, Drew. Um, so the it kind of just depends on the size of your feeder. And I know Nick, Nick can talk about some of the other types of feeders and stuff that he has experience with and that he's going to be putting out there and everything. This feeder is a regular three-legged standing feeder. Um, I believe, man, I, I wish I could even remember the, the gallonage of it. I don't, I put, before I left there, I put 160 pounds of corn in in the feeder and I added some Vapel corn additive to it. It took the deer about three days, two and a half to three days to find the feeder or at least be comfortable enough to walk up to it. And since they found it, they've hardly left. They have been there. That Vapel keeps them locked in, man. They have been there every single morning, every single evening. And now they're staying there at some point during the night for a while too. So they are, they're tearing it up. So that speaks a little bit to our friends over at Vapel. They, they make some quality products and just a little $6 bag of that corn additive, you know, and not, and just using a little bit of it. And that corn tastes like candy to them right there so that's awesome yeah we used that on that staff hunt down in texas that yeah. we had just seeing the results that it had if i was in a place where you could bait that's something i'd definitely be looking into <laughs> oh yeah man it, it it's some awesome stuff for sure yeah sam i'll just segue off of what you said and go and kind of describe that feeder a yeah. little bit and so basically if you can just imagine like a barrel uh, with three metal legs sticking out and then there's a little there's a hole in the bottom of the barrel and there's kind of a plate on the uh, underneath that hole and there's a like a battery underneath that plate and, and it's obviously you know encased to where it won't it's weatherproof or whatever rainproof so it doesn't get wet but the battery operates that plate and that plate spins and so that slings the corn out you know it spreads it out a pretty good ways and so that's one type of feeder that uh we use and that and um i guess i'll talk about a different type that i use on my property in anna and i use a gravity feeder and this is basically the same thing it's a barrel uh and basically it's just a tube that comes out of the bottom of the barrel and then two pvc pipes that kind of curl up like that and then the corn just falls in and so it basically uses gravity to feed that corn into the tube. And so they both have their pros and cons. They both achieve the same thing. The deer come and eat the corn. Now, whether they eat it off the ground or they eat it out of a out of a uh, tube, basically is a different, is the only difference, but they're still gonna eat it. Yeah. Um, so pros to the gravity feeder, we actually went, we used to have slinging feeders uh, at my Anna property, but we had to go to a gravity feeder because we have uh, a mess of hogs and those hogs will find that corn on the ground and they'll clean it up before the deer can even get there and so what they'll do is they'll also realize that that corn is coming from because hogs aren't dumb they'll realize that corn is coming from that feeder and they'll knock it over and just trash the whole place yeah so you get a gravity feeder where it doesn't sling corn out on the ground and the hogs don't even know it's there really and so we actually had a big hog that could actually reach our gravity feeder and i think i have a picture of him i'll have to we can post that on our social media if we want to but, he's a big pig um, i've seen this pig he's massive so he was able to reach our reach the bottom of the of the tube that comes out of the feeder and 
break it and knock it over and, and all the corn just spilled out and they knocked the feeders over and so we ended up putting fence panels up around the feeders that the deer could jump over but the hogs couldn't get through anyways so but yeah i'll send i'll send you that picture sam and, and uh, we can post it on our social media for our followers yeah but yeah that's basically the the two types of feeders that, that we use so you said you put 160 pounds of corn in yeah how, how long is that going to last you how long you're going to have to or before you have to go back and put more in and so it, it purely depends on the frequency that you're feeding and, and for how long. So Nick Nick referred to it being a battery-operated feeder, so it's on a timer. And you can set the timer to go off one, two, however many times a day and r spin sling corn for however many seconds you want. Sorry, I was going to add to that and say that that's another pro and con uh, between, yeah. like, a, if you have a sling feeder, you can regulate how much corn those deer are getting. But if you have a gravity feeder, those deer can come and eat however much they want. So yeah. You're going to go through corn a lot faster, but they'll be able to come whenever they want. Yeah. It's a schedule. You have my feeder is a scheduled meal time. Nick's feeder is an open buffet. It's a golden corral, basically. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, hopefully it tastes better than that. <laughs> with baffle, it will. Um, <laughs> That's right. That's right. So, but you asked how quickly you go through it, Drew. So, I put 160 a corn in there. My, I, I could have put another 40 pound bag in there to absolutely level it at the top. I, I only had four bags in there and I had to carry everything in there so I wasn't carrying another bag in there at that point in the day. But I put 160 in there. I'm only running it right now one time a day because right now I want the deer to find it. The deer have plenty of other food in the woods. I want it to be a stopping point for them at some point during the day. It is already more than doing that at the moment per our trail cameras. So I'm comfortable right now keeping it at one time a day. Once we start hit that, once we hit that first cold hard freeze in the year and the acorns turn bitter and you know they have less food in the woods, I might up it at that point to give it a little bit more incentive for them, uh, both morning and evening. But right now I'm feeding once a day, um, just enough to keep them in and attracted to it. Um, I fed last year, I had a set on my father-in-law's place with actually the same feeder. And I did the same thing once a day. And I did that the whole entire season. I filled that thing up with 160 pounds of corn to start the year. And I think it was that we had like, a couple two three weeks left in the season when i had to put another bag in it so it it lasted me a long time but again that's only feeding once a day for a few seconds for the entire year i plan to go through corn a little bit quicker this year because at some point during that kind of transition from fall to winter i'm gonna be i'm gonna be probably up in my feeding a little bit more so now is that a balancing act so that you're not putting down too much and attracting those pigs and getting them habituated to that spot as well? So it, it, it's the pigs are going to be an interesting thing out at this property. Uh, like Nick already talked about the advantage of his gravity feeders, you know, in regards to hogs and everything, you know, it, it's only a matter of time. I feel like before the pigs will start tearing it up a little bit more and that's when that's when I might have to increase to an additional feeding time during the day or something like that to to give the deer something there to have something there when they come in so far the pigs have not been bothering my feeder knock on wood but they haven't and uh i know this is texas we have a lot of pigs i know that that's going to change at some point it will but i've had i've had 
some pictures so far come in of pigs under the feeder and it's just one or two here and there i haven't had a whole mess of them come through there or really tear anything up yet we've got pictures of pigs walking trails and stuff like that so far they're leaving it alone but again it it really in in all honesty is probably just a matter of time so you know i just had one more question for you on the feeding uh you know both as a midwestern hunter and a western hunter one of the things that we're dealing with is the cwd or chronic wasting disease Mm -hmm. Um, so here in Minnesota, we actually have a feeding ban and we're not allowed to put down any types of attractants, uh, you know, including doe urine or anything like that. Uh, is that something you guys see down there? And is that something you have to sort of take into concern when you're choosing the type of feeder that you're using? So CWD is, it, it is, I mean, if you've been keeping up with it, you know, it's becoming a little bit more common than, you know, than it's comfortable. It seems like, um, and it's funny you mentioned that because actually earlier today I was on my Texas Parks and Wildlife app on my phone actually and there was a little deal on there about CWD and it listed the the counties in Texas where it's a legitimate concern and you have to go through the reporting and everything it you know for for the chronic wasting disease and all that kind of stuff thankfully it's not close to our area and our county is not one of those counties to to be concerned about that doesn't mean it won't become one at one point in all honesty to answer your question um as far as what types of feeders or what you can feed or anything like that i i really don't know um it's it's never been something we've had to deal with on our home front to to that extent and when that time comes hopefully it doesn't but if and when it does then it's going to be a learning experience for us to to figure out how we have to adjust to accommodate that it's it's coming you know it, it's they're obviously concerned texas parks and wildlife's obviously concerned enough about it to have it in the the rules and regs this year and have certain counties highlighted and having to go go through extra hoops with that again thankfully it's not to us yet but that doesn't mean it won't be so yeah yeah it's it's interesting being you know exposed to different management styles you know they're handling it a different way in montana as they are in minnesota Um, minnesota i know we're doing a huge sampling program where they're collecting all the heads and checking lymph nodes and stuff for deer and trying to estimate what the percentage is in the population um montana they're really just going after it and trying to reduce the population in areas where they found it so kind of different tactics and different different styles it's interesting to see is that a fire truck at your place drew yeah, it is. Okay. Sorry. I was super confused. I was like, Nick, did you... Hey, guys. Sorry to cut you all off mid-conversation. I hate doing that, but um, especially during a good conversation like this one. But this conversation is one of our longer ones. Um, went well over an hour. And like our previous times that we've done this, we decided to split it into two episodes for you guys to give you all a little bit more content. And yes, to keep you all coming back for more. So you guys can catch the rest of this awesome conversation next Monday on our Fall Obsession podcast. And on that note, if you guys haven't already, hit that follow and subscribe button on whatever podcast app you guys are listening on. We are on all major podcast platforms in addition to our website, fallobsession.com, and our YouTube channel. 
Um, hit up our socials, Facebook, Instagram, and that YouTube channel. Hit that subscribe button. We got weekly new videos coming out on YouTube as well as daily hunting and outdoor posts on our socials. Fallobsession.com. Our website is the hub. That's where you guys can find all of our content, video series, photos, reviews, wild game recipes, educational articles, you name it, we got it. Um, and head on over to our podcast page on that website if you guys want to send us some feedback, um, if you have any topic suggestions, guest suggestions, questions you want to ask, any other general feedback, we're happy to hear it. So you guys can send it to us over um, through that platform right there. We got uh, some merch. We got some new fall apparel that's hitting our store. If it hadn't already, it will be soon, but you guys can head to our online store and check that out. That way you can be rocking some Fall Obsession swag in the, in the woods this fall. And before I forget, if you guys haven't checked out our partners um, on this podcast, Elite Archery, go ahead and go do that. EliteArchery.com. They got an awesome lineup of bows for this season. I'm super pumped to be running them in the woods again, and this is going to be my uh, third season, I believe, with an Elite in my hand, and I, I couldn't be happier with my bow, man. It, it's smoking. So go check out Elite. Go to your local dealer and shoot one today. Um, that's the only way to tell if they're right for you is to take the elite shootability challenge and find out for yourself. So go check them out. And while we're talking about archery dealers real quick, we have a new feature on our website called our pro shot finder. We are compiling a list of vetted, trusted, approved archery pro shops across the entire nation. That way, if you guys are in the market in a certain area or in your local area for a new pro shop or you move to a new area and you need a new place that's going to treat you right, we got you covered. We got their name and their info. You guys can go see them. So on that note, we're trying to build this platform. We're trying to create this. So if you guys have a trusted archery shop, they're your guys. They're the people that you use every single time. Go talk to them. Come talk to us. However it needs to happen, we want to be able to add them to that Pro Shop Finder and get them on our website. So feel free to reach out to us. There's a form on our website, fallobsession.com slash proshopfinder, where you guys can uh, can send us their info and we can hopefully get in touch and get it all taken care of. The best part about it is it's free for the Pro Shop. It doesn't cost anything. So if you frequent, run, or own a Pro Shop um, in the archery world, hit us up. Beyond that, that's all I got for you guys right now. I appreciate y'all listening. Again, I'm sorry that uh, that I cut y'all off and uh, stopped the conversation short, but um, we're we're gonna spread the goodness over two weeks. So you guys will have to tune in again next Monday for our next Fall Obsession podcast episode. We will catch up with y'all then. Be sure that you tune in. Thanks for listening.